That is awesome. Wow. Wow. God has done some awesome stuff in 10 years. Just look around. Amazing what God has done in our hearts and in our, in, in our lives, in your hearts, in your lives. In fact, let's just do a little survey here as we jump into the message this morning. Raise your hand. I need you to help me with this. Raise your hand if you were here way back in the day, 10 years ago, over at the old Hughley Fitness Center. Raise your hand if you were here back then. I see one, two, three over here. All right, come on, give it up. Four, give it up for these. Come on. That's awesome, right? Let's try this. Like, raise your hand today if you have been around LifeGate, been a part of LifeGate for at least five years. Raise your hand. At least five years. Come on. There's a few, not very many, but let's give a hand for these guys. Now, let's do this. Raise your hand if you have only been part of LifeGate for the last uh, year. Raise your hand. Come on. Look around this room. Oh, my goodness. That is, that is absolutely amazing. I am so glad that you are here. I'm here today. My name is Chad. I've been here 10 years. I have, I have. And I've got to say, we have come a long way in 10 years. I mean, you saw some of them pictures on there, hairstyles, things we were wearing, all that kind of stuff. We have come a long way in 10 years. And I was just thinking, man, some of you probably would not have even came to this church if you would have came 10 years ago. But God has been so good. And not only has the church come a long ways, I got to tell you, I've come a long way. All right. I have grown so much and my life is changed because of this church. In fact, that's really our vision statement here at LifeGate is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. And I've got to say here today, if for no other reason, but the fact that my life has been changed, I can say that the vision has been accomplished. And here's the deal is the reason my life has been changed. You want to know why my life has been changed is because of you. You guys have changed my life. Now, I know some of you are going, wait a minute, you're the pastor. Aren't you supposed to help change our lives? And I hope that that has happened for you, that God has hopefully used us to bring change in your life. But I got to say that you have changed our lives. And the fact of the matter is that's how God works, isn't it? That God uses others to bring about change in all of our lives. In fact, if you're taking notes, why don't you write this statement down today in your notes? The statement goes like this, that God... God works through communities of people to bring change in the lives of individual people, all right? God works in communities, in churches, in groups of people like this to bring change in the lives of individuals. See, I got news for you today. If you're just kind of waiting on that moment when God is just going to zap you and suddenly your life is going to be changed, let me just tell you something. That's not how it's going to happen. You know how it's going to happen? It's going to happen with people in your lives. In fact, just look around. The people around you, those are the people that God is going to use in your life to bring about change. Change happens as we do life together. In fact, this is the way God works. It's been this way from the very beginning of time. God never intended for us to do life alone. From the very beginning, you know, way back in Genesis when God created, when he created all of the heavens and the earth, you remember the story, you can go back and look at it again, that God said, let there be light. And boom, there was light in the sky. And God said, it is good. And then God said, let there be the land and let it be filled with the creatures of the land. And the Bible says that God said, it is good. And he said, let there be 
be the sea and all the creatures of the sea and there it was and it is good and let there be the air the heavens and let there be all of the birds of the air to fill the heavens and it is good and then the bible says that god went down into the into the dirt and he formed adam out of the clay and he breathed life into adam and adam was alive and man was born and god said it is not good In fact, in the book of Genesis, God says it is not good for one reason why it is not good for man to be alone. God never intended for us. He didn't create us to do life alone. In fact, he created us to do life together. In fact, God looked down and said, it's not good for man to be alone. So what am I going to do? I'm going to create for him a helper, a helpmate. You know the story that Adam went into a deep sleep and that God went into Adam, took a rib and out of the rib of Adam, he formed Eve. And, and the whole way that Eve even got her name is that he formed Eve and then Adam will up and there was this woman with no clothes on and he said whoa man and that's how she got her name look it up it's in the bible it really is look it up God said, here's the deal. I didn't create you to do this life alone, so I will create people to come along and do life with you. And then he spoke these so important words. I want you to see what he told Adam and Eve to do. In fact, if you put it on the screen there for me, guys, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, read it aloud with me today. It says, and then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and govern it. Now, I don't want to get too PG-13 or anything, but I think you know what God was telling them to do, right? In fact, just for today's message, we'll call it get together. God said, I want you to get together. And the reason that he wanted them to get together is because God knew that inside of Adam that he had, that he had put this seed of potential inside of him, a seed that would bring about offspring, a seed that would bring about multiplication, a seed that that had incredible potential inside. And the only way for that seed to actually reach the potential was for them to come together in intimate relationship with one another. So God said, be fruitful and multiply, come together. And in that intimate relationship, I'm going to bring about the multiplication, the potential that I have for you and for your life. And here's the truth of the matter is today is that every single one of you, there is a seed of potential deep down inside of you. But the only way that potential will ever come out of you is in relationships, intimate relationships with one another. When we get together, not in the way I said it earlier, but when we come together, that God, that something happens, there's this multiplication, there are offspring, there is fruitfulness that can only happen in relationships with one another. In fact, we call it to, we call it around here, let's do life together. We say it every single Sunday, and yet it's more than just, it's more than just a phrase. It's more than just something that we say. It's a vision that God put in our hearts for this church from the very, very beginning. And so I just want to talk about it. In fact, I think on our 10th anniversary, I think that it's just only appropriate for us to talk about, like, we are better together. And in so many ways that I could just name off a whole bunch, but I really just want to just name four ways that we are better together. If you're taking notes, why don't you go ahead and write them down this morning. The first one is this, is we're better when we pray together. So everybody say pray together. 
Now, how many know it's powerful when you pray alone, right? How many have ever had that before? You pray alone, you have a God moment, God does something in your heart, and you should pray alone. In fact, that's, that's something that ought to be a spiritual discipline that you should have in your life. And yet, as powerful as it is when we pray alone, there's a whole nother element that is, that is added when we pray together. How many know what I'm saying, right? In fact, we've experienced this over this past month when we were in the middle of the If series and we were praying and we got, you know, the If wall and we challenged you to just put your needs up there and the things that you're praying for because we know that if God is for us, who can be against us? And we know that if, as the people of God, we pray that God will hear and we know that nothing is poss- impossible if we believe and all of these promises that if we don't give up, we'll reap a harvest. And so we came together and began to pray over these things every Sunday night in August. And wasn't it incredible the things that God did in our lives as we decided, hey, we're not just going to pray alone, but we're actually going to pray together. In fact, this is what Jesus was talking about in this powerful, powerful passage in the book of Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19. Look what he says. He says, I tell you this, if two of you, everybody say two of you, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything, my father in heaven will what? Will do it for you. Some of you right now, you've been praying for some things. You've been believing God for some things and you've been praying on your own and that's powerful and God answers those types of prayer. But some of you, maybe even the only way you're going to really see the breakthrough that God wants to bring in your life is that you don't just pray alone, but you get together with another group of people and you pray together. Because Jesus says, if two of you will agree on anything, then it will be done for them. And then look what it goes on and it it says, and where there are two or three, everybody say two or three, where there are two or three that gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. Man, that's so powerful. In fact, that was one of my favorite verses back when we first started the church because there were a few times when there was only two or three. But you know what? Here's the promise that God says that when we pray together, his presence will be there among us. In fact, this is why we do life groups. This week, we're, we're kicking off our, our semester of life groups, and we want every single person at LifeGate to get involved in a life group. And there's so many reasons for that, but one of the reasons is this very principle that there's something powerful that happens when we pray together. Like some of you have been going through some stuff on your own, and you know what you need? You need a group of people around you to pray over those things together. And when we get in our life groups, when they start this week, you know, we're going to come together, and we're going to eat together and fellowship together have fun together, study the word of God together. But there's a powerful moment that happens in every single life group when, when we just take that moment to pray over needs. And I could just, man, I could share with you over and over dozens of stories of lives that have been changed, prayers that have been answered through these life groups. I don't have time for all that, but I do have time to just share with you one that came to me this week in an email from my friend Blaine. Let me just read it to you. He says, for us, the story began five years ago. That is when we walked into the Evans Life Group and we heard them share their frustrations with infertility. We were walking our own battle with infertility at the time and had not, had not shared our story with anyone but our own families. We were not planning to share that night, but some, for some reason we did. Those prayer requests were the start of a very long journey and a very deep friendship with both the Evans and the Johnson families. On the darkest of days when the test came back negative or an adoption fell through, those prayers and those friendships were the only things that gave us hope. 
Over the next five years, God did some amazing things through the kindness and the generosity of strangers and the miracles that can only be explained by God's divine hand. I have never seen a more perfect example of Acts chapter two and all of the believers selling their possessions to give to those in need than I, than I saw with the three huge yard sales that we had at the church to raise money for our adoptions. Today, because of those prayers, there are four children that stand as evidence of God's working in our lives. However, we also know that God is not done yet and that the prayer that was started five years ago in that life group continues to be prayed. And we know and believe that God is faithful and true to fulfill his promise to all of us, the Hamiltons, the Evans, and the Johnson family included. Come on, that's pretty awesome stuff. That's what happens. Lives are changed when we pray together. So everybody say pray together. together. Number two, write this one down. Not only are we going to pray together, we're going to work together. You know, there comes a time when, you know, prayer is important. But there comes a time when you got to get up off your knees and you got to get up and got to roll up your sleeves and you got to get to work. You know what's amazing about doing life together is that when we work together, actually more is able to be accomplished. This is what the scripture was talking about in Ecclesiastes chapter four and verse eight. Look what it says. It says, there was a man who was all alone. Everybody say, oh, poor guy. There was a man who was all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. But two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. And either if either one of them falls down, one can help him up. But pity anyone who falls. Every time I read that, I think of Mr. T, but pity the fool, you know. <laughs> pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, the truth of the matter is some of you are like this guy in this passage. You're trying to do life all by yourself and you're frustrated and you're struggling and you don't seem to have any purpose to your life. And you get up and you go to work and you toil and all of your labor and you come home at night and you lay your head down on the pillow and you think it's all meaningless. Like, what is it for? And I got all this stuff, but there's really doesn't seem to be anything to it. And the problem is you don't have anybody to do it with. You see, you weren't created to do this life alone. You need, in fact, this is letter A, if you're writing it down, you need help. Everybody look at your neighbor and tell them, you need help. I'm telling you, you need some help. Look at your second neighbor, your second choice. They're on the other side. Say, you need help too. Here's the deal, guys. You can't do it by yourself. You need someone to help you. And that's what the church is all about. That's why we have, that's why we come together on Sundays. That's why we get in life groups because we can come together in community. You know, that word community comes from two words, common and unity. And you know, here's what the church is all about is that we weren't meant to do life by ourselves. So we come together in a common unity with one purpose that we're all striving towards. And you need help in order to do that. Not only that, let it be right this. You need to help somebody. Somebody go, okay, I know I need help, but why do I need to help somebody else? Well, here's the deal. Some of you are miserable in life, and the reason you're miserable is because your whole life is all about you. 
You have no purpose because your purpose is make more money for you or make your life more pleasurable or make your life more fun. And the reason that you're, that you're miserable, you know, have you ever heard the word miser? You ever heard that before? It's an old school word, but you know, it means to like do life for yourself and be stingy and that kind of stuff. You know where that word comes from? It comes from the word miserable. The most miserable place to live in life is the selfish, self-centered life. And so you need to help others because it helps you. In fact, you need to get involved here at the church. Get on a life team. You need to serve in life kids. You need to get out there and be a greeter. Be on the worship team. Lead a life group. Do something for someone else. And I'm telling you, when you do something for someone else, it will do more for you than it even did for them. You need help. You need to help others. Guess what? We need to help each other. In fact, that's what we see. Let her see there. Write that down. We need to help each other because together... We can do more. And here's what happens. This is what the scripture says right there in Ecclesiastes 4. It says two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good return for their work. I don't know if you ever experienced this before. When you're doing something by yourself, you get frustrated, you can't get it done. You add somebody else and it gets done a whole lot quicker and a whole lot easier. And it's not just addition like you can do more, you know, twice as much with two people. No, there's an exponential thing that happens when we come together. That God does awesome things as we work together. So we're going to pray together. Everybody say pray together. We're going to work together. Everybody say work together. Number three, write this one down. We're going to grow together. Y'all were ahead of me. Good job. We're going to grow together. Here's what the scripture says in Proverbs. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know what's so cool about doing life together is this, is that I make you better and you make me better and together we're all better. You know, there's no other scripture or no other story in the Bible that kind of illustrates this more than the life of David. You know who David is, King David. We look at him, we think, man, what an awesome king that he was. What an awesome man that he was, a man after God's own heart. And yes, he was all of those things. But a lot of times we don't recognize that the reason he was all of those things was in large part because of the people that were involved in his life. I mean, you think about it. Here's David, and he's just, at the beginning of his story, he's just a shepherd boy out in the middle of the field. You remember the story? I mean, he was one that his, his own brothers didn't really see much potential in him. Even his own dad didn't see much potential in him. But then God sent a man named Samuel, the prophet, who saw something in David that nobody else saw, that when everybody else saw a shepherd boy, God may see a king. I don't know if you remember that song. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. But he saw something in him that nobody else saw. And David had this man in his life, another person that he was doing life with that could bring the best out in him. You remember the story, David goes on and he kills Goliath. I mean, just incredible as, as he does that and he begins to grow in notoriety. And as he does, King Saul gets a little bit jealous of David and his, and his success and his fame. And he's kind of, you know, threatened by that. Like he's going to be the next king and what's going to happen to me. And so Saul decides that he wants to kill him. And so here's David, he's running around, hiding in caves, not knowing what to do. And in the middle of that weak moment, there was someone who came along who loved him. In fact, it was, it was Saul's own son. Son, Jonathan, and the scripture tells us in 1 Samuel 23 and verse 15 that David, when he learned that Saul was out to take his life, and his son, and, and that Saul's son Jonathan came to David, and look what it says he did. He helped him find strength in God. He had a friend, he had someone that in the low times he could do life together, and when he was weak, that person helped him to find strength. 
You look at David's life later on and you see that, you remember the story of this man after God's own heart and yet he falls into sin and he has this affair with Bathsheba, has her husband killed at the lowest moment of his life. And yet there was another friend, a man named Nathan, who in that moment of, of weakness and of sin came in and spoke truth into David's life. Even though it could have cost him his life, David was the king, but he spoke truth and accountability in his life. This is why we do life together. It's when we have these people in our lives, people who can speak truth, people who can see in us things that maybe others don't see, people who can encourage us and strengthen us when we are down. And we need those kind of people and we need to be those kind of people for others. This is why we have a church. This is why we don't just, hey, me and Jesus, you know, we're down, I'm going to heaven, Jesus is my homeboy, I don't really need church. No, no. We need church because we need this kind of relationships. And we don't just need church on Sunday mornings, we need life groups. We need to plug in and get involved in a life team. We need these these things because these are the people that can encourage us when we're down and can bring out the potential in us that only happens in those intimate relationships that can speak to us accountability. When we're in that moment, we need someone to speak the truth in love to our lives. We pray together. We work together. We grow together. Number four, I love this one. We play together. Everybody say play together. Play together. Now I know some of you are going, that doesn't sound very spiritual, Pastor. Don't you need to get a little more spiritual today? It's Sunday morning, you know. But here's the deal, man. How many know that God doesn't want us to just pray and work and grow? I mean, I believe that God wants us to enjoy one another. He wants to have fun. Everybody say, have fun. How many think it's okay to have fun in church? It's okay to have fun as the church, not just in church. And man, that's, that's what we're all about here at LifeGate. In fact, one of our core values, you see it on the wall out there, is devotion. And what that means to us is this, is that in every area of our life, we will be fully devoted to each other and to God. And we have a little saying that goes along with that, that we say, we're going to work hard, but we're not just going to work hard. We're going to play hard. And that's something that, man, that we see even even in the scripture. You go, I don't see it in the scripture. Well, look what the scripture says in Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1. It says there's a time and a season for everything, for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up. And then look at this, a time to weep and a time to what? A time to laugh. In case you were wondering when that time is, it's right after one of my cheesy preacher jokes. That's when you do it. It's biblical, I'm telling you, it's biblical. And here's the thing, we like to have fun around here. That's what it ought to be like. That's what it ought to be like, a family enjoying one another. In fact, I came across this passage of scripture that I had actually never seen before until I was preparing and studying for this message. And I love the way that it says it in the message because it's such a vision of what the church can be like. Actually, Zechariah is given a vision of what heaven is like, but just as we already sang about that the church ought to be like heaven on earth, that God comes, heaven comes to earth. And look what he says about what heaven will be like. He says, old men and old women will come to Jerusalem and they'll sit on benches in the street and they'll ta- they'll spin tails and they'll move around safely with their canes. It'll be like a good city to grow old in. And the boys and the girls will fill the public ca- uh, parks. They will be laughing and playing like a good city to grow up in. I mean, no, that's what heaven's going to be like, but that's what the church ought to be like. Like it ought to be a place where old men and old women are sitting around playing dominoes going, man, this is a good place to grow old in. 
It ought to be a place where life groups are hanging out and they're sitting on the porch and the kids are out there running around and playing and you're sipping on some lemonade and tossing some horseshoes and just hanging out, watching the football game, going, man, this is a good place. This is a good place to be a part of. That's what the family of God ought to be like as we do life together. Let's do this thing together. Let's have fun. In fact, we're all about fun around here at LifeGate. Last week, we had a blast when we had 175 people all go out to the water park, just took over Pirate's Cove last week. In fact, like a little bit of fun has to have a little bit of competition too, don't you think, right? And I saw that coming out as we, I mean, as we got to the racing slides. In fact, my very own wife kind of took it over at the racing slides. I brought a little video. I mean, want to see the video? You want to see it? Come on, just, just check that out real quick. Come on. Like my wife knows how to do it right. We know how to have fun. Isn't that okay to have fun every now and then? At church, you know, a couple, I was thinking about a couple months ago, we have a, a Spotify account for the church, and so it's only used on Sundays, so I use it on my computer during the week to listen to music and stuff, and even on Sunday mornings, I'll turn it on and put on some, you know, some worship music and some really soft music to pray and get prepared for the service and stuff, but as service time gets started, they have to use it back here so the music can be playing when you guys come in, set the atmosphere and all of that kind of stuff, and you can only play one at a time, but you can actually switch it from the other computer and the person on the other computer can hear, you know, the songs or whatever. So I'm in there in my office and I'm praying, I'm walking around in this nice, soft, calm music. And the guys back there in the sound booth decided they were going to mess with me. And so all of a sudden they switched it over and it started playing too legit to quit. You know, (laughs) I mean, that's fun. Like that's, and I was like, get that out of here. I'm trying to pray. Come on guys. I mean, in the office here at the church, we have a blast. Some of you follow us on Facebook and your friends on there and stuff. And you see, like we actually, a few a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, I guess it was now, started like these office pranks. And I'm telling you, it's just one right after another. I think the guys that work here watch The Office way too much on Netflix or something. Because in fact, I just, I just brought this. Uh, there was a few official rules of The Office prank wars. I won't read all of them, but I'll just read uh, the first few. No pranks that, these are actual official rules. No pranks that attach or attract bugs such as ants, spiders, maggots to the, to the victim's office. Number two, no pranks involving items that may stain clothing. Number three, all pranks must be able to be cleaned up before Sunday morning. Amen. Number four, no damage to personal property. Number five, the office pranks uh, will, will end and the winner will be established when one of the pranks surrenders and or cries. Or if Pastor Chad says that is enough. That's the most important rule. In fact, just last week, I think it was, it was one, they filled the whole deal up with balloons. Show show that picture up there, guys. Jesse's Jesse's office. There she is. (laughs) Hey, this is what we're all about. 
having fun together. You see, this is what life together is all about, that we don't just pray together and we don't just, we don't just work together and we do that. We don't just grow together, but we have fun together. And while we're praying together and while we're working together and while we're growing together, guess what happens? We're having fun. We're enjoying it. This is what life is all about. In fact, let me just leave, leave you with this last passage of scripture in, in Psalm 133 and verse number one. Look what it says. It says, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers, everybody say it out loud, when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down on his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew of Mount Hermon that falls on the mountain of Zion. And there the Lord pronounces his blessing, even life evermore. Let me just tell you something. From 10 years ago to today, this has been a value for us that we're not just going to be a church. We are going to be the church, that we're not going to just love God, me and God only, but we're going to do this life together, that we're going to follow God together. And here's what God says, that when there is people who come together, who live together in harmony, here's the, here's the blessing that he promised. He says, it'll be like do everybody say do be like dew. Now, when you get up, you got up this morning. I got up this morning to come to church. There was dew all over the grass. It was on my car, all this humidity and stuff. And, and here's the deal with dew. What is it? What is it? What does the dew do? Okay. I said dew, dew. Okay. <laughs> what is the purpose of the dew? <laughs> you know what it does? It makes, the, it makes everything, it makes everything grow. The grass grows. And you know what? You didn't even have to do anything. Like you didn't have to turn on the water sprinklers. You didn't have to stand out there. You didn't have to pay a higher water bill. It's just dew on the grass, not dog dew, another kind of dew. I'm having fun, but a dew on the grass that makes it more fruitful and it's just there. And here's what God says. When we do life together in this kind of a harmony, I will pronounce my blessings upon those people. And here's what's going to happen. You won't even have to work as hard for it. And when you work hard, it'll still be fun because you enjoy one another. And I'll put my blessings upon it because there's life together. And there's potential that only comes, only comes in intimate relationships with one another. And that's what we're all about. That's what I challenge you to do today. Don't do life alone. Come and join us. Do life together with us. And if it's not LifeGate, find another church and do it there. But don't do it by yourself. Find people to say, I'm going to do life with these people. I'm going to do the do.